This is Parenting for the Everyday, a podcast dedicated to meeting parents in the trenches of parenthood. We explore how our faith fits into our parenting. With the help of our guests, we are seeking practical tips on how the gospel can speak into our day-to-day parenting. From the easy stuff to the hard stuff, we want to talk about it all. You're listening to Parenting for the Everyday. I'm Becca Alvarez. And I'm Holly Dicandro. And today we are talking about postpartum. And part of the reason we're talking about postpartum is I have always wanted to talk about it. And also, by the time this airs, I will very much be in postpartum. Um, I don't think I've ever said this on the air, but I'm pretty, well, I am 37 weeks pregnant. So we're pretty sure. (laughs) Pretty sure. Pretty sure. I'm I'm, definitely sure. I'm I'm definitely sure that I am 37 weeks pregnant. Um, And going to be entering the postpartum season very, very soon. I remember with my first child just being so nervous because everyone talks about postpartum, uh, but being pretty uncertain of what that would look like and how that would look in my life. And even when I did have Ezekiel and I was in the postpartum season, I felt like we were in the clear because I was passing all of the doctor's assessments because I was super happy. I loved my baby. Um didn't feel the typical depression symptoms. And it really wasn't until months and months later that I started to recognize that there were maybe some things going on that wouldn't be deemed as typical. Um, As far as I think I experienced postpartum in a very anxious way. And so there was a lot of fear when Ezekiel was out of my sight. Um, There was a lot of intrusive thoughts. There was a lot of fear of anyone taking care of him or uh, him being in a crib by himself or if I had to take a shower and he was on his own or just not in my line of vision, uh, sprinting out of the shower, soaking wet, just trying to get to him because I was so certain something had happened. And so it wasn't until I started to think back and recognize some of those things that I could see that there was maybe some abnormality in there. Um, And so it became a topic that I got really, really interested in and started talking to more women about and understanding that a lot of people experience, whether it's postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, in some form, and just it's difficult to identify. So I thought it could be a great opportunity for an episode. And lucky for us, we have an expert in the field who also happens to be my cousin. Uh, Catherine Walker is here via Zoom. She is, well, I'll let her introduce herself. But Catherine, thank you so much for being here. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us who you are. Tell us what you do. And tell us about your family. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. This is one of my favorite things to talk about in life, professionally and personally. Um, But I am a wife and a mom and a nurse practitioner. So my husband, Gil, and I have been married for nine years. We have two littles, Maggie, who's four or almost four, and then Rhett, who is almost one. And then I am a nurse practitioner. I started nursing um, in labor and delivery and then went back to school during that time. Right after school, I did mental health for a short stint and then found my way back to my love, which is women's health. So right now I'm working in a private OBGYN practice and I love it. It's great. And with that said, kind of on that note, everything we talk about today is my own clinical research experience, opinion. So not a substitute you know, for getting help from your own trusted healthcare provider. No, that's great. I'm really excited about this episode because I think postpartum is a word that everyone hears, but I don't think that people, and I know that I don't fully understand 
what that even means. So let's start out by just saying from a clinical perspective, like what happens to our brains and our bodies after we have a baby? Let's get down to like the science first and talk us through what actual physical changes happen. Yeah. So physically, we all know drastic things happen really, really fast. So immediately after birth, fluids shifting, your heart suddenly beating for one person instead of two or three. Hormones are changing as soon as the baby comes out. Milk production starts. So from a physical perspective, muscles are strained. You're exhausted. You potentially just were cut open. So there's a lot going on there um, just physically. But then mentally, emotionally, we know that a lot is going on in your brain instantly too. And honestly, a lot of it is unknown. It's a little bit elusive. There's a lot of research going on right now trying to figure out, okay, what really is happening um, but we know that like mom brain is a very real thing because immediately you have to start prioritizing keeping this tiny human alive. And that affects everything you do, both physically and mentally. About how long does mom brain go on for? <laughs> yeah, speaking. <laughs> it's a great question. I think some moms might say forever, but I was just about to say, uh, still, <laughs> yeah. still living that years and years later. Yeah, I think it could be forever. But beginning, you're literally keeping them alive. Now, yeah. you could argue you're keeping older kids alive, too. But it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> Different season. You know, the beginning, it's literally they cannot exist without yeah, right. you. And so it's just a whole new level. So even breaking it down further, what does just that term postpartum mean? Yeah, so it's a great question. I'm really glad you asked because I think it's something that's like a little bit confusing and a little bit misused. So the word postpartum actually just refers to a time period. And that time period is a little bit loosely defined. Most people will define it about the first 12 months after delivery. So a lot of people will say, oh, I think I have postpartum or I had postpartum. And I think they're referring to postpartum depression and anxiety, but that actual word is just a time period. And so I think that can be helpful for people when they're talking to friends or even clinicians that they're like, I think I have postpartum. It's like, okay, I need more. That's just a time period. Um, so that's a really good question. That's actually great to know. So postpartum is a time period, not a thing, but postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, that's really what people are referring to when they say that, right? That's okay. right. Okay. So tell us um, why does postpartum exist? Like why does postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety exist? Yeah. So my initial answer with that is because of the fall and because sin has now broken, you know, our perfect world and this beautiful process that God created and this beautiful thing called motherhood is now cursed by sin. And so I believe, you know, that's the root cause of why this exists. Now, beyond that, when we're breaking it down scientifically, that also isn't fully known. So kind of like the mental changes right after delivery, Clinicians, scientists can't really say, okay, this chemical is lacking, whatever. But we know that hormonal shifts and sleep deprivation play a huge role in this. And so your life's completely changed in a matter of seconds, your personal life, your professional life, your marriage. And so all of those things are going to affect it. But I would say primarily driven by hormone sleep deprivation. And honestly, my own opinion, just in like the last two to three years that I've seen a shift in practice is social media. I think social media is a huge driver of postpartum depression and anxiety where moms used to be able to call their mom or a trusted friend and say, hey, what do I do about this? And now it's at our fingertips. And there's really great things about that, like this podcast. And then there's a lot of really scary things about that. When at 2 a.m., you're up with your baby scrolling through, looking at all these other opinions, all these perfect moms, and that affects you. 
or even so many opinions of like, yeah. well, you shouldn't oh, do gosh. this with your baby. You're ruining them right, because right. you chose to breastfeed or bottle feed or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. And I mean, and I'm so glad you said that. I didn't even, I haven't even thought of social media in this context or in this episode. But I do think that that played a huge role for me, especially early on. And I think that one of the best decisions that I made personally is when I was up nursing Ezekiel in the middle of the night, uh, I decided it would be a great time for me to read the Bible through. Instead of being on my phone and scrolling, I did fall asleep here and there, um, which feels... That's way better than me. I did a lot of Amazon shopping. See, and I couldn't... A lot of online shopping. I think I even deleted the app just because I knew how easy it would be to do those Packages just showing up at the door. (laughs) But I do think we're in such a unique time where you are comparing everything. Like, I still to this day have certain people that I have muted because we have differing opinions and it felt like seeing theirs meant mine was wrong and I couldn't have another, another source tell me I'm wrong about something when I'm feeling this vulnerable and fragile in general. (laughs) Um, Real fast, I did just want to take a moment, though. I think probably because I am mid-feeling baby kick and move and just say how amazing our bodies are with what does happen when you give birth, the way that we keep babies alive, the way that our bodies were designed by God, and just incredible, incredible things that we get to experience that's so unique. And I just think it's the most amazing thing, uh, uncomfortable and has some difficulty in it for sure. But such an incre- such an incredible yeah. aspect of God's design for women. All right, so let's let's break it down into some practical things here um, for people who are about to enter that season, going through, and then also even for friends as we're looking. How are ways that depression can manifest itself? Anxiety. What are the ways that we see postpartum actually come into fruition? Yeah. So one thing, whether you are a friend or personally experiencing it, I think is important at the beginning is to distinguish from this like baby blues that sometimes you hear people talk about. And usually that's going to happen in the first two weeks. Pretty much everyone is absolutely exhausted and crazy hormonal those first two weeks. So the first two weeks are just kind of a gamble. Now, as friends and family, you still want to support that person and, you know, walk alongside them. But once we get past those first two weeks, that's when these things really can start popping up that are more of a long-term issue than just this, hey, baby blues. So postpartum depression can look different for everyone, of course. But if you find yourself crying all the time, you're going to cry after you have a baby, more than likely. But if you are crying all the time, if you are feeling down or depressed almost every day for most of the day, if you're not wanting to get out of bed, if you're not wanting to do things that you used to enjoy, if you're sleeping all the time or aren't able to sleep when your baby's sleeping, that's kind of that depressive side. The anxious side, kind of like Becca talked about, can be harder to pick up on because some of this you feel like, oh, this is how moms are, like this is how I'm supposed to feel. But it is a lot of the things you said of not trusting anyone else to hold your baby or care for your baby if you're kind of always going to that worst case scenario in your mind. If your tolerance for like noise or any sort of stimulus is low, again, inability to sleep, that's kind of what we see more with the anxious side of things. That's already so helpful to know Um, because I do just feel like there are so many 
there's so many things that can happen in this season um, and so many different experiences. And I think that people manifest it in their own way and through their own experiences. I have a tendency to feel like a lot of my anxiety was based in what I was doing as a profession at that time um, because there was so much fear that was wrapped up in my own postpartum anxiety. How do you, how does our faith then play into kind of this side of mental health, of this side of postpartum anxiety or depression? It is so important in this. And honestly, it's a tough thing sometimes to kind of reconcile of this tension between faith and mental health. And I think we can't separate the two. Our faith is so important to our mental health because God's the one that created us. He created our minds. He created our bodies. He created this process. And so when we're looking at that tension, I think it's just so important to remember that God is a God of order and he's a God of peace and he wants those things for us, but we have to be willing to bring kind of this messy brokenness of, I don't know what's happening to him. And I think remembering that these babies were never ours in the first place, which is really easy for me to say and really hard for me to apply. Um, but he knows our bodies and our brains and our babies you know, more than better than we ever will because he's the one who created us and created them. And we were made to do this. And so I think leaning into that and resting in him and people that we trust that are going to point us toward him is super important when we're talking about any of this, but especially this time period. Let me ask a practical question. Is postpartum something that postpartum depression, um, so I use the right terminology we've learned, is it something that you can just get over like after that season is is ended? How do you know when you need to get some professional help? Is it something that you can work through alone? Like how do you know what you should be doing in that time? Yeah, I definitely recommend reaching out. Theoretically, could you get over it? Sure. It could be a really long road, though, and could be really difficult for both you and your baby and your husband, whatever your family looks like. So reaching out and getting help is certainly going to help that time period be better for you and your baby. Some of the kind of like red flags that I encourage people with are any of the symptoms that we talked about, if they're lasting longer than two weeks or you feel like you're not able to cope at all or have any good days, those are really times to reach out. And I also tell people, if you're thinking about getting help, that's usually a red flag in and of itself. Like if those thoughts of like, oh, I wonder if this is normal, that's usually a, hey, maybe you should reach out. And then my favorite thing for anxiety, this is from kind of one of my mentors, but I tell all of my patients that I think it's a really good measuring stick of like my patients in their appointment, I say, if you brought your baby today and he or she was in the car seat and you set it on the exam table and you thought, Ooh, I should probably put the car seat on the floor because the baby could fall and get hurt. That is good, healthy, maternal instinct, anxiety. That's good. That's what we want to see. If you are thinking, Ooh, I should put the baby down because he could fall and then he's going to get a head injury and then he's going to have to go to the hospital and who's going to get dinner and who's going to drive my car and what's going to happen with the hospital bills that is not healthy. That is the spiral. And so kind of using that as a measuring stick, whether you're at the park or at the doctor, I think that's really helpful to know like, okay, this is not normal. This is going beyond that. And if you are in the place where you do want to get help, how do you do that? Who do you go to? Is that like your primary care physician? 
I would encourage people to start with their OBGYN just because that's who more than likely, hopefully, was taking care of you most recently. If you feel like you're not getting the help you want or need from your OBGYN or aren't being heard, postpartum.net is a website that has extensive resources, but on there you can put in your location and then what you're looking for. So if you're looking for like therapy or you're looking for more of a medical thing, it's amazing. There's support groups on there. It is a wealth of information. So I would start with OBGYN, but don't give up if you feel like you're not being heard there. Um, and I'm so glad that you – that was super helpful. I'm going to look that up. I'm so glad that you mentioned, too, the importance of bringing brokenness to Jesus's feet because I think those words is what I hear when I talk to someone that has dealt with postpartum, whether it was postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety. It's this thought and this feeling of, like, I felt broken. Like, I was designed broken because I'm supposed to be this mother who loves her babies and has energy or – not energy, um, and I can't seem to do anything, or I can't get my mind to stop spiraling, or I can't get intrusive thoughts out of my mind. And so I think when I became a mother, I felt this need to show this strength. And when that strength wasn't there, there was like this fear of bringing that brokenness to the feet of Jesus. And I think that that is what is so important is addressing it, looking at it straight on, and then being willing to bring that and know like you designed me this way. These are things that I can't control, but these are things that I can bring to your feet and give to you and then go for that additional help. Yeah, I feel like that's one of the reasons why it's not discussed a lot, yeah. you know, because you feel so embarrassed or um, ashamed of the feelings that you have. You feel like they're not normal. So I'm so glad we're talking about it because it makes it a little bit more uh, regular. Is there anything else you would add other reasons why you think maybe it's like a taboo topic or why? I think I'm going to go back because I, I do think that it's becoming more and yeah, more talked about. But why do you think that it is such a hard topic to, top, to talk about and something that gets lost sometimes? Yeah, I mean, I think, Becky, you hit the nail on the head. I think it is that it's supposed to be this like natural thing. And so when it's not for you, you're like, what am I doing wrong? I can't tell any of my friends this because they're all thriving or everyone on Instagram is thriving. So I do. I think that's a huge part of it. I think as moms, we feel like we have to be able to do everything all the time and it has to be perfect. And if we're not, that we're failing. So I think y'all are exactly right. It's just this pressure. But I do think it's also getting better, maybe um, being talked about, which is awesome. You know what's one of my favorite posts, though, that is on social media a lot is when they break down the hours that a mom devotes, whether if she is a stay-at-home mom, the hours that she does nursing, taking care of the kids, and the as if it was a – I mean, it is a real job. That is my point, that it is a real job. But as if they were breaking down, like, billable hours. And I think those are the – I send all of those posts to Sean. No, <laughs> Like, they're, like, immediate I should be send. making a lot of money. <laughs> so much money. And it's such an invasive – job or task or thing that you're doing. Um, and it's, I still find myself rationalizing all the time that I'm a stay-at-home mom, but I also do this, but I also do this, you know, this idea that it's not enough. And the truth is that it is. Yeah. So my twins are seven. So it's been a while uh, since I've walked through this season and I have several friends actually that either just had a baby or are expecting. Help me remember some things that I should not say. Like what are the things you don't say to new moms that maybe would set off this spiral or put them, um, you know, in a bad place? Yeah. One of my biggest things about new moms is not to say, let me know if you need anything. 
because 99% of the time they're not going to let you know. And so drop off coffee on their porch. If they have older kids, go pick them up from a play date, you know, depending on what your relationship is, bring them dinner, send them a DoorDash gift card, because kind of going back to what we said, they're going to think they need to do it all. And so most of the time moms aren't going to say I need X, Y, and Z. So meeting those physical needs, especially early can just be so helpful. I don't know if that's exactly what you're asking, but that's my like new mom mantra. (laughs) I think for me too, something that was really difficult because I was struggling with postpartum anxiety without really recognizing it was people that had great intentions, but they wanted to come over and just hold Ezekiel. And that was like the one thing I really didn't want you to be doing. Um, I want to be holding him because I feel like I need to be. And so when someone else was taking him to give me a break, that's not the break that I wanted at that so time. So finding out like what is a break for you? Yeah. So it would look different for maybe you than right. me like what I need. Yeah. And I also wonder could we add in um where you see a new mom and you're like, oh honey, it just gets harder. Oh, this is the easiest part. You know, and I think yeah. well Always. it's not to them. Like yeah. right now, like this feels like really hard. So I don't know if that's along the lines of things we, we shouldn't say. I think it's that and I me and my best friend always talk about this too of like this weird leveling um like grading scale too that moms do with each other of like, oh, did you get the epidural? Oh, did you, you know, like, are you breastfeeding? Oh, are you doing some of these different things? And you're like, well, if I am or if I'm not, like I'm loving my baby and doing what I feel like is best for them. And there's no grading scale here. Um, Cause I think it's real easy to get caught in that. And I wish that we, I wish that we wouldn't. Um, Well, Catherine, this has been a huge learning uh, opportunity for me. I'm so thankful for you being willing to come on and share your expertise. As we kind of wrap up, what is one thing that you would want women who are in the postpartum season to hear, if nothing else, or about to, you know, I think Becca, about to go into it? What's something you want uh, her to take away from this? I think the biggest thing for moms to know is that you're not alone. You don't have to do this alone. There has been an army of mothers that have gone before you. And so reaching out to those people that might be in your life. And then, of course, your creator, as we've said, who knows you better than anyone else and who created this process. So it feels mom, being a mom, motherhood can feel really isolating at 2 a.m. when you're the only one awake. It feels like you're the only one awake in the world. But just to know, like, there are so many other mamas, maybe even down your street, awake at the same time or doing the same things you're doing. So that's the good news about being a mom. We don't have to do it by ourselves, um, but it, it still can be really hard. Catherine, thank you so much for being here and sharing your expertise. It's super, super helpful. I'm so excited to enter this season despite some of the fears and uncertainties that are coming my way. Um, But this has been really, really helpful for me. And I hope other moms out there, whether you are in the season of postpartum or you are going to enter it at some point, or maybe you've been through it and you're just trying to make sense of things that you didn't recognize at the time. I hope that this has been helpful for you. Thank you for tuning in. This has been Parenting for the Everyday. Tune in next time.